0: I'm, I'm so excited uh, because tonight we are starting a new series and this new series is a bit different to other series that we've done. Usually at Everlife we do topical preaching which is where um, we get a topic and, and we look for truths from the Bible that can speak into that topic. For example, a number of months ago we uh, preached on a topic called Love Life and let me tell you, I think it worked um, because right now apparently the name of Everlife is called Everlove Someone said, I think it was Beck Dallin, said it's going to turn into Everbubs soon enough. Um, And so, hey, if you're single, you're in the right place, let me tell you. Uh, And you might want to go back and listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube just to catch up a little bit. Uh, Let me tell you, there's Love love is in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? That was was bad. Thanks, Jake. Production, multi talented. Um, usually we do uh, topical preaching, um, but what we're doing right now is a series on Galatians. Um, every now and then what we want to do is to do a series where we look, take one book of the Bible and we go a bit deeper. We do more of an expositional teaching. Everyone say expositional. You've got to get your position right. Um, it's, more, it's more of just we want to go through one book and go a bit deeper Um, It's important for us every now and then to to go a bit deeper in in a book because we want to build our life on good biblical um, doctrine, is the word, um, and and good theology. There's a saying that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. That means right believing leads to right behaving. Or if you put the right things in, then you want to spit the right things out. And so every now and then we want to dig a bit deeper, get our foundation solid. And let me tell you, Galatians, the book of the Galatians, is a phenomenal place to start. It's actually called a letter to the Galatians because it's a letter. And so we're going to go through and we're going to just going to read through and we're going to pull some truths out of it. We might hop around the book just a little bit, but we're going to start straight away. And we're going to read from the very first verse in the first chapter And this is what it says, it says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or by any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace, that word grace If there's one word to sum up this book of Galatians, this letter, is one word, it is grace. Grace and peace to you. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen so we can see from this this section, first of all, Paul was an apostle. And really, an apostle is just a fancy word of saying a guy who went around and started churches in different locations. See, Paul was a man who wanted to bring the gospel, which is just a fancy word for saying really good news. Um, Paul was someone that God has set apart to bring the gospel, not just to a little group of the Jews or the Israelites, but to everyone else called the Gentiles. And so Paul began planting or starting these churches up all around this area, north of Israel, up the coast and around different regions. He began starting these different churches. And once he planted a church, he'd raise up a local leader there and he'd let them go. <clears throat> and then in order for him to stay in touch with them, he, he would Skype them. No, he just didn them a call on the mobile. he just text them. No, he would write letters to them. And so the way that he'd keep up relationship and keep them Um, you know, believing the right things so they can remain in freedom and so they can keep on track and be a healthy church because we all have a tendency to just go to the lowest common denominator. Um, All of us need some reminding at times and so Paul would stay in touch with these churches. So you see in the New Testament that there's different books, most of them are letters and so um, one book is called Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, because Paul wrote a letter to the church, he started in Corinth, and they wrote back and forth, there's 1 and 2 Corinthians, then there's another letter to the church in Philippi, which is called Philippians, not to be mistaken by the name Philip. Um, and then he wrote, not to churches, but sometimes he wrote to actual pastors of those churches. So he wrote a letter to Timothy. He was a young pastor that he trained up and released. Um, and so he wrote a letter to Timothy to encourage him, because Timothy had a few battles, personal battles like you and I. And so we can read these letters, we can read these books, and we can get a lot out of them. Because let me tell you, we struggle with exactly the same things as they did back then. Humanity is the same. It might have been a different culture, a different setting, but our hearts remain the same. And when we we can dig up the gold nuggets of truth that Paul sent to these churches and we can go, all right, how do I apply that to our life at such a time as this? And so there's so much gold to be dug up in these these books or in these letters. And so we're focusing on one letter, and that is this this letter to the church in Galatia or multiple churches that were in the area of Galatia, which is in the center of modern-day Turkey right now. Um, this was the area where the church was situated. And so what happened was, after Paul um, went and started this church in Galatia, and he left, then some really sneaky people decided to come in. They decided to come, these, these Jewish Christians decided to come in and tell people the real gospel. They've got the real good news. And so Paul came in and, and preached the good news to them, but these Jews came in and said, hey. <laughs> So you thought Paul had the real gospel. Hey, we've got, the, we've got the upgraded version of the gospel for you. And so what they said was that that gospel is good, but you needed to add a few additives. You needed to add some extra things in order to be really holy like us. Do you know what they wanted them to do in order to get into another echelon of holiness? Well, let me tell you. Their tip for extra holiness was to add something simple called now some you might want to block your ears here but called circumcision. They said if you want to be really holy, you need to get circumcised like us. See, the Jewish Christians they come from a Hebrew background where, in order for them to get closer to God to be holy, set apart, they'd literally get circumcised. Um, when they were eight days old, so they forgot all about it. But now they're coming here to grown men saying, hey, if you want to get really holy like us, then uh, we've got a chopping board at the back. Ready for you. It's all ready. Can you imagine that, coming to Everlove Church? We've got a welcome party for you. Like, hey, everyone's welcome. Come to the church. It's so good. God loves you. He'll forgive you. There's nothing. Grace is for free. Just, um, we've got a doctor. Just got a room at the back there. Closed doors. Um, we'd only have females in this church. Um, and then there'll be no love life, and it'll be all over. So, but Paul was, Paul was, he was annoyed. Like Paul wasn't this nice little oh, it's so lovely. He was, he was like annoyed at this. And so he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, just to just to say, guys, just ignore it. What they're saying, this is the true gospel. And so. Um, chapter 1, if you continue to read it, it gives us a bit of a historical context of how Paul came to know Jesus. Um, it gives us a bit about his journey. But before we go into chapter 2, I wanted to zoom into verses 6 and 7 and read this out to you. This is what Paul said. He said, I am astonished. Other translations say, I'm shocked. He's like, "Hmm." that you are so quickly deserting him, God, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Who knew that there's a different gospel? There's one gospel, one good news, and there's another gospel, good news, which really isn't that good news at all. Remember, circumcision. Like he says, which is really no gospel at all. This is not good news. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of the good news of Christ. And we see the key word of grace in there. See, there's more than one gospel, and there's the other gospel, there's the alternate gospel that these Jews tried to lure people into believing, like a holy club. Sometimes we can be like that, can't we? We feel pretty good about ourselves, and we want to force our things on other people to justify our own position. Um, Now, you might be wondering why I've got this jar of cherries here, now, when, when I grew up, mum used to put cherries on everything. So she used to cut these cherries in half and put them on biscuits and, um, and on cakes and, and then in the fruit salads and every now and then I'd sneak one for myself. And, and, and I love cherries. Hey, who loves cherries? Put your hands up. Yep. Christmas is coming. The cherries are coming out soon. We tried to buy some today, but they're not in the shops yet. So... Um, and so I, I was eating these cherries, but, but one day I was, I was really shocked because I discovered, I realised that I wasn't eating the real thing. I was eating these glazed cherries. Has anyone had these glazed cherries before? Put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I was convinced growing up that these were real cherries. But they're not. These, these are cherries. These are, are, are polluted cherries. They're, they've been grossly perverted, um, because what happens with glazed cherries, although they look all nice, they've got all kinds of additives, extra stuff. So you take normal, pure, beautiful cherries and you put them in a brine solution containing sulphur dioxide and calcium chloride to bleach the fruit out of it, to bleach the goodness out of it. And then you take it and you soak it in food colouring and sugar and syrup and other additives and then you get something like, and I can't stand these now. But it was wasn't until an embarrassingly later age that I tried my first cherry. <laughs> that I tried my first real cherry. And I was amazed. I think I might, Jess, I might have even been at your parents' place. That <laughs> was really old. I don't know. I just, and I was in love. I was like, I've never tasted anything like this. This is the real deal. Juicy, fresh, beautiful cherries. Now I'm in the corner at Christmas time. You see a pile of pips in front of me. I've just (laughs) made my way through those cherries. I can't get enough of them. You know, this is a bit of a picture of what the Jews wanted to do to the gospel. They wanted to take something pure and add all their additives to it and it completely lost its flavor. It was no gospel at all. There's no cherries at all. There's these To be honest, disgusting glazed cherries that put up a front have been the real thing, but are just fake. They're full of additives. And this is what the Jews wanted to do. They wanted to add additives onto the gospel. And that's why just behind me you'll see under the word Galatians we've added the tagline. It says, grace, no additives. Let's say grace, no additives. Say it again, no additives. Awesome. Very good. See, Paul was so livid and annoyed at this that, that the Jews came in and added all kinds of additives to the gospel. He, he got a little bit, um, he got pretty gruesome. He said, he, he literally said, if you skip forward to, to Galatians chapter 5, he said, I just it's like he's just having his own little moment. He's like, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would just mutilate themselves. He, he, he's like... Whoa, he was he was he was pretty annoyed at this. And so it's all right, we can all get a little bit heated at times, can't we? And let me tell this, let, let me say this really clear. When the gospel isn't good news, it's not good news at all. When the gospel isn't good news, it's not good news at all. Sometimes we hear the gospel, it's a good news, it's like be better, try more, get circumcised, add this to the gospel, jump higher, try harder. It's like, oh, man, it feels like such a burden. Let me tell you, that is not the gospel because the gospel is good news. When the gospel isn't good news, it isn't the gospel at all. And so in this series, we're talking about grace with no additives. You see, at the moment in Australia, we've got like a branding problem in the church. Most Christians, a brand is all about perception, right? It might not be the truth about something, but branding is perception. And, and, and people perceive the church as being a, a whole lot of judgy people. And, and maybe God is going to accept me if I can enter into 51% Christianity. If I can be good, by outweigh my bad, maybe by, if I can be 51% good, and maybe only up to 49% bad, then maybe I'm going to be good for heaven. Maybe if I do enough, achieve enough, jump higher, try harder, then maybe I'll be accepted by God. Maybe I can become a better person. You know, the The personal help industry um, is actually a $13 billion industry at the moment, and the self-improvement industry. Um, And and this is how most of the religions of the world tell us, teach us a pathway to God. Most religions in the world say that they recognize there's something inherently wrong with humanity. I mean, we're amazing, but there's uh, something just amiss, broken. And so most of the religions in the world say, well... I've got this teaching and this pathway for you to become a better person and for you to know God. In other words, one of the pictures given is there's a big mountain and at the top is God. And what you need to do is you need to try harder, you need to do these rituals, you need to get circumcised, you have to go to church, you've got to pray, you've got to read your Bible. In other religions, there's all kinds of other different things that you need to do to somehow climb your way up to God, self-improve, get rid of this, get rid of that. When you're really enthusiastic at the beginning, you're like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I, I can do that. You start running and you start getting these... It's like when you go to the gym. You're like, yeah, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get good. I have put on a few kilos lately. Um, I need to get back to the gym. Um, and, and, and you try to do more, but what do you do? When you fail and you don't hit the mark, you feel that bit of guilt. You're like, oh. And especially you start to avoid people. You know, the other day I avoided someone involved in that whole gym industry thing because I hadn't been going as regularly. I was like, oh. I want to avoid them. You feel a bit bad, don't you? And sometimes we can feel like that with God or church or religion. It's like, man, if I, if I'm, if I haven't been to church for a while, I haven't been a good person for a while, I feel like I want to avoid. And, and if you try hard enough for long enough, you're going to hit the wall one day, you're going to get to the end of yourself, realise that it's impossible to get to the top of the mountain. You're going to give up. And what you're going to do is you're going to move from relationship with God into religion, which is so boring, and you end up throwing the whole thing away. It's too hard. Stuff church. Stuff this whole God thing. My goodness, what a burden. And who wants that? And that is not good news. That is bad news. And that is not the gospel. It's the polluted gospel. It's the gospel with additives. And tonight, we're about telling what the true gospel is. We want to move from religion to relationship with God. And so I've just got a few key points just to share with us. And the first is this. The other gospel focuses on what you do for God. That's the gospel. It's not good news at all. But the other gospel, the fake gospel, focuses on what you've got to do for God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 12, a few chapters in there, it's it's this. The other gospel says it's by obeying the law that a person has life. Where is life? Well, you just got to do better. You got to obey the law. You got to try harder. You got to be perfect. That's what the other gospel says. I can know God by self improvement. But again, Paul is like, no, 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 no. I don't want to give room for this. It's the fake gospel. And see, he goes on to rebut this in Galatians chapter three, further on down. We're going to read through another chunk of scripture. I hope you're okay with doing a bit of reading tonight. You didn't really come here to be in a classroom, did you? But am I doing this much reading? Follow along with me. It says, Paul said, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives eating real cherries in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit? Does God fill you with his love and with his power and work miracles among you because you reach some standard of perfection. i mean, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 51%, 59%. Where, where, where does it land there? Because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. You trusted. It's trusted versus trying. You know that word trying? It insinuates failure. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Good try. It's like, oh, trying, but versus trusting. You know what? I trust in God. I trust in what God has done for me. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit because of obeying the law, but because you believed, you trusted in the message you heard about Christ, which said God sent his son to die for you. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are actually under his curse. Who knew that? That by trying to reach the top of the mountain by yourself, you actually inadvertently put yourself under, under a curse. It's like, wow, there's no life in that. Because it says, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in the book of the law. And, and what, what's that talking about? It's saying, well, in order to reach God's level of perfection by doing more, literally the standard is absolute Perfection. And there's only one man that has ever lived that has reached perfection, and that is Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that we all fall short. We all fail in some way, and we all know it. We're giving it a crack, but we're confronted with our selfishness. But you might be like, well, I only did something once, or not that many times. Well, the thing is, if you murder someone once, you're a murderer. (laughs) I'm sure that's not a common habit um, that people need to work through right here um, tonight. But maybe we can have a chat afterwards um, about that. That would be great. But there's there's things in our life that, that, that we do, maybe lying, stealing, selfishness, a fancy word called covetousness. He's being jealous and envious about what other people have. Man, we have a lot of that these days, don't we? In all these ways, we, we break what, what is known as the law of God. And, and anyone that breaks the law of God is, is under a curse. They're separated from God. It's sin that's called missing the mark, not reaching perfection. It's, it creates a barrier that separates us from God, and we are. If we try to reach God by our purity and by our performance, we fail every time. We remain under a curse because essentially we're saying, "God, I choose to pay for my bill. I choose to pay for my sin myself," which essentially is eternal separation from God. But Paul has another gospel, the true gospel. See. Although the other gospel focuses on what you do for God, this gospel focuses on what Jesus has done for us. And this is good news. I'm so glad for this good news myself. This is what motivates everything we do here as a church. I wasn't interested in starting a church I just wanted other people to, to taste real cherries <laughs> and not this kind of stuff. I was like, have you tried the real cherries before? They're awesome. This is like a cherry church. Like it's just maybe have cherries on the grazing table um, one weekend. And so Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, it says, he says this: so it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law, by doing more, trying harder, jumping higher the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life another word interchangeably for faith is trust when you trust in someone you lean on them you put your i'm trusting this chair right now i'm putting my full weight on this chair i'm trusting in the chair faith is an active step where you put your weight into something we trust what god has done for us through jesus and you know there's another letter that paul wrote to the church in ephesus and, uh, and, and this really gives such a great synopsis of what Jesus has done for us that we can receive like a gift just by faith, faith by trust. And I'm going to read it through. More reading. Who's keen for more reading? Come on. And so this is what he said in, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 8. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Even though we were dead because of our sins, even though we were cut off from God, like it's not talking about a a physical death, but a spiritual separation, that that kind of death. Even though you were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And in brackets, he's just trying to make the point so clear that we don't miss it. Just in case you missed the first 20 times I mentioned it, here's another one. In the brackets, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. If, if, if you think about it, you know, my kids sometimes they, they just cling to me. They're like me coming along to a chair. Winter's like, come close to me, Dad. He's standing on a chair, and I come back to him and he, he's, like, he clings to me. He's, like, you know, and he won't let go. He's like, Dad. And he, and he holds onto my neck and my face is going red. He he clings to me. He's he's trusting me. He's clinging to me. This is the picture of us clinging to Christ and what He's done for us. We cling not to our own effort, but to His strength and His grace. And it goes on to say God saved you by His grace when you believe. believe." God saved you by His grace when you believed. Not when you behaved. I've got to make God halfway, 50, 50, 51. I've got to make God, I've I've got to behave a certain amount. Then God might accept me. No, 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 when you believed in the message that you heard. And you can't take credit for it. Yeah, you know, I've been to church. I've read my Bible. I haven't killed anyone yet. <laughs> I've done pretty good. I'm better than the other person. I haven't stolen a car, at least. Um, I'm pretty good. But, no, 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 this is z- this is zero, zero nutter to do your performance or my performance God save you by his grace and you can't take credit for it. It is simply a gift. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. I know you've done a whole lot of great things, you know, um, but it's, it, it is nothing to do. You know, when we do good, it's just out of response to God's goodness to us. It's like, how, how can I just love you back? Not pay you back, but, you know, I just want to express like, oh, Thank you, God. I just, I just feel compelled. I want to I live a life that, that honors you, God, for saving me. Um, we can't get clearer than this. Um, another, another point is this. The other gospel focuses on external duty. Who wants external duty? It is it, so boring. It's religion, and religion weighs us down, and I hate living a life of shoulds. Based on should, oh, oh, you should go to church, you should pray, you should read your Bible. You, oh, man, enough shoulds, some might last longer than others. i tell you what, I'll give up after a while because I, I, I'm not meeting enough shoulds at the moment. It's like, no way, throw that out. The The other gospel focuses on external duty, but the true gospel focuses on internal desire. Internal desire. You know, Jess, Jess and I, when... When I wake up every single morning, I don't think, "Hmm, how I'm going to remain faithful to Jess?" I need to, I have to be dutifully um, committed to Jess. It's like, no, I don't wake up like that. I wake up just, I just love Jess. It's not an effort for me, and 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 I want to love Jess better. But the truth is, I've got an internal desire. Well, I, I I definitely don't get it right all the time, and I'm growing in. Being able to love Jess better and better, but at core, the reason why I want to love Jess isn't necessarily out of some external duty, but it's just because I love her and, and I, want to, I want to honor her. I want to treat her well. I want, to, I want her to thrive in her life. And, and this is the same thing with God. There's such a big difference between external duty and internal desire in a response to God's goodness. And, and Jesus said this in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 15. It says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Now there's two ways you can read this verse. One, and we're going to leave it there for a second, is with no comma, where it says, "If you love me, you'll obey what I command. You prove it by obeying me. Yeah. Prove that you love me. Go on. Show it up. But when you put a comma in there, which is actually what is meant to be in there, three, two, one, and a comma will appear. next slide. Oh, no, okay, maybe I missed that one. Sorry. There's meant to be a comma there. If, we can go back a little bit. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's right. So if, if you love me, comma, insert comma here. If you love me, you just will obey me. It's not even a choice. It's like, if you love me, you're going to grow in, in your love for me, in, in being able to naturally express your love for me. And, and for us, our response to the grace of God compels us to go, God, how how can I express my love to you better? You know, the first 11 chapters of Romans talks about God's grace. And then Romans chapter 12 it says, Paul encourages people, he says, so therefore, in view of all of this grace, demonstrate your love. Let your love song back to God be, God, I I just offer my body as a living sacrifice. I give my life to you. Lord, I want to live my life wanting to honour you, please you, Not, not in the sake of pleasing to earn anything, but I just want to put a smile on your face i just want to live life like a love song back to you and the holy spirit enables us and helps us and helps us to to know god more um i love it's going to end up i'm going to finish up just shortly but in that first chapter of galatians where it talks about paul's experience where he encountered the grace of god what what he did with that grace is he planted all these churches around the place but 14 years later he thought oh I guess I better check that I'm actually preaching the right gospel and not a fake one, not, not a glazed cherry gospel. I better go and check. So he went back to Jerusalem to check with like the fathers of the faith, with the, with the original crew back in Jerusalem. I reckon he might have been a bit nervous. And so we read at the beginning of Galatians chapter 2, it explains his situation. He said, then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. And while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and I shared with them the message i have been preaching to the Gentiles. Uh, 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 Hopefully. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts have been wasted and I've been running the race for nothing. And I love the next line. I love the response. It says, but the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. Like no additives grace and grace alone is all that we need and this is good news for me this is good news for you and 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 what we need to do is to go God I I want to be dumb with the glazed cherries if you believe the other gospel I hate I don't want that gospel I don't want anything to do with that God I don't want anything to do with that religion with that God with that church but let me tell you it's not good news it's not the gospel at all but tonight what what we're inviting you into is to go God is good, He loves you so much and He made a way for us to know God you know the Bible says in John 3.16 rather than inviting us to the top of the mountain God came down to us with Jesus Jesus is God with skin on He came into our world and He paid the bill for you and I he died on that cross. He took our bill, our payment, our debt, our guilt, and our shame that accumulated over our lives, and it was placed on him. The Bible says, "Upon him was laid the iniquities of us all, so that we could be free." This pure Jesus became sin, became dirty, and we became clean. And so, anyone who received this gift would have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Whoever Believe in Him, not behave. Believe in Him, shall not perish, shall not be cut off from God forever, but will have eternal life—a life that begins now, born again, fresh, new on the inside, where God makes you brand new on the inside. You begin a relationship with God that lasts into all of eternity. And so, the question I've got tonight is: What have you added? What additives have you added to the gospel? Have you added? Oh, feel guilty haven't been reading my bible lately haven't been to church for a while throw it away throw away the gospel we're not saying stop serving at church shift the heart shift the perspective um um, live out of a different place of freedom and a life-giving place i think some, some people here might need to throw away that gospel once and for all and i'm never eating glazed cherries again i'm eating fresh cherries You're never going to be the same, aren't you? This Christmas, you're going to be eating those juicy cherries. You're like, grace. (laughs) And I have none, none of those glazed cherries on my table this Christmas. Because pure grace is the fuel to live a pure life. Pure grace is the fuel of the fire to live an increasingly pure life. Not perfect, but I'm set apart for God.